Hey, dream builders. Welcome back to another episode of the Dream Sign Podcast with your host, me, Amy Lee Westerbelt. Today, my guest is Ashrita Tiwari. Ashrita is a National Guild Certified Hypnotist and Personal Power Coach. She empowers female wellness entrepreneurs and leaders to release their hidden fears so that they can expand their self-worth and have confidence in creating financial success in their business. Through her proven coaching method, she focuses on subconscious reprogramming, brain habits, emotional mastery, and intentional leadership that helps her clients learn how to develop a connected and empowered relationship with themselves, their clients, and their audience. I'll be right back with Ashrita. You're listening to the Design Your Dreams podcast with Amy Lee, the show that challenges you to stop chasing your dreams and start designing them. As the dream design coach, I've helped thousands of high-achieving creatives reconnect with their inner blueprint to design, manifest, and live the life of their dreams. Each week, I invite powerhouse creators who have built their dream businesses to come and share their words of wisdom and stories of courage. It is my hope that through the journeys of these incredible dream builders, you too will be inspired to design and build a life and business beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome, Ashrita. It's so good to see you. Hello. Welcome. I mean, thank you for having me. I'm saying welcome like I'm the host. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to start with the same question. You probably listen to the podcast and you probably know it's coming. So my question to you is obviously people don't, you know, get out of university, college, whatever, and say, you know, when I grow up, I want to be uh, whatever it is that we create for our dream businesses, right? So how did you come to be a personal power business and leadership coach? Like what was the trajectory to get there? We'd love to hear that. And so I, so a little bit of uh, background about me. I wasn't born here. I was born in Nepal. So it's a, it's a country in Asia for those of you who don't know. And my family and I moved to the United States when I was six years old. And like many immigrants that come to the United States are, we were pursuing the American dream, right? And so my parents' goal was to raise their kids in America and to receive a really great education. And so that's the path that I followed. That's what I was conditioned to follow and what I thought at the time was the right path. And so I ended up in my dream college, Boston College in the United States. And um, I ended up going there. And while I was in college, I realized I really had a passion for education and understanding the inequalities that exist among people and people of color, primarily, you know, people um, versus like poor and rich. And so just the disparities that that exist in the United States and in a lot of other countries as well. And so I became really interested in that. And after college, I decided to um, become a, a teacher, right, in education. And I dabbled there a little bit with that. And I realized when I look back, I ended up going to get my master's after a couple of years of working after my undergraduate. And when I actually look back at that and I reflect, and if I was to be honest, I went to get my master's, not because I felt like it was coming from a place of like empowerment and this is what's gonna really help me and support me and my passion, but it was more along the lines of 
this is what everybody does, right? They go get their masters. And during the time, I also forgot to mention, I graduated in 2010. So that was like the big recession, right? So there was a lot of fear happening. And so what I saw was a lot of my um, peers were going to get their masters. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do too as well. Because, you know, we're told that once you get your masters, you're going to be able to increase your salary and create more impact. And so I ended up getting my master's at UMass Amherst in higher ed and leadership. And during that time, when I was in my uh, master's program, for me, this was the first time that I had been like far away from my family, right? So I was a couple hours away. Um, and this was the first time in my life where I felt like I was completely independent and I started to experiment with my health and wellness, right? And um the reason I did that is because I watched my own mom develop diabetes growing up and then also mental illness, schizophrenia. And so for me, I, I became really curious around well-being and physical health specifically in the beginning. And so in order for me to do well in my master's program, I decided, you know what, I'm going to get really, really focused on my habits. So I started to focus on my habits in regards to physical health and what I was eating, what I was thinking. That's when I started to dive into meditation um, and like really personal development work. And one of the things I realized while I was doing that, and I didn't do it because I it was a strategy necessarily. It was more like, oh, this is what I need at the moment. Um, and so what happened was, I was able to thrive in my master's program while I was working multiple jobs. So I was working multiple jobs and I had a full-time master's program. And at the same time, I was really into like CrossFit and running and just like really taking care of my health and well-being. And what I realized was like, wait a minute, there's actually a connection here. The more I take care of myself, the more I'm actually able to thrive in my like school and even in work. Right. And so I just kind of, did that on my own for a little bit. And then what happened was I just stayed in love with health and wellness. And in 2018, I decided, and I, I did end up working full-time in the nonprofit space. And while I was working full-time, I realized, oh, I really have this passion for health and wellness. And I'm actually really good at like teaching it to others and understanding it myself. And so I decided to become a personal trainer. So I became a personal trainer in 2018. That was my first business. And I was doing this part-time while I was working full-time. And I loved it. I loved the personal uh, training. And 2020 happened. <laughs> so, you know, and we all know what happened in 2020. And so I had to decide, like, what do I want to do next, right? I couldn't meet my clients in person anymore. And at the same time, I also felt that, you know, with the personal training, I was hitting like a peak with my own learning curve with it. So what I mean by that is I loved training people, but what I loved more was the mindset work that I would do with my clients. And I realized that one hour that I had with my clients was not enough to help with the mindset, the internal things that were happening. And one of the things I did notice, even with my clients that I was working with in the personal training realm, was I, yes, I was able to support my clients in losing weight and, you know, be able to wear that bikini. But then what would happen is that they would, re, they would like, they would uh, regain that weight that they just lost, right? So there, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't a lifestyle shift that I wanted to see my clients to have. And so I got curious with the mindset work and the internal work. And I started with myself um, and I started to explore hypnosis and subconscious reprogramming for myself because there were things that I wanted to work on as well. And as I did that, um, I ended up uh, loving subconscious reprogramming. I ended up 
doing my first bodybuilding competition, which is something that I wanted to do. Um, and I ended up becoming certified because I realized it was really shifting my life and what I was doing and what I can create. And I was able to increase my, my finances as well during that time. And so I decided to become a hypnotist and that's where I start to combine a lot of the internal mindset healing work that I was already doing, but now moving it into an, like, an online business. And so when I first started my online business, I was working primarily with high achievers and leaders, which I still work with. But then I realized that in business, it's actually the same thing, right? It's, it's a lot of the internal things that a lot of people still struggle with and it's the taking care of yourself. And so I've been able to kind of bring that into business as well. And so I know that was obviously a long response, but that's that's kind of how I ended up where I am. And for those of you, I know you talk about human design a lot, right, um, in the podcast. And so I'm actually a 3-5 in my human design. And so one of the things that's been really cool for me to learn is like, oh, everything that I've done, I've actually just been following and experimenting. And that's why I'm where I am. And it, it's it's so in alignment with my human design. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about like what I'm doing now. And it's interesting because um, it a year ago last year, I quit my full-time job and I had gone all these years to get my undergraduate degree and then get a master's degree and then almost a decade of professional experience. And I realized this is not the right path for me. This isn't it. And then I decided to just do the leap of faith and go all into my business. And here I am today. Yeah. So that's so incredible. Um, something that you said that really stood out to me, obviously I'm from, you know, the Boston area too. And I went to school and got my post back in elementary education, right? Cause edu education, when, when, when you love to learn, you think that you're going to love the, uh, the, the education industry and the, the teaching is amazing. I love education, but the bureaucracy of education is awful. And, and, and the, the expectation, especially in this country, I can't speak for other countries, but the expectation that is attached to learning and what the teachers expected to teach the kids and what the kids are expected to know and the competency, you know, expectations are just so, I, I, I just, I feel really passionate about that, especially it's one of the reasons why I homeschool, even though I have a degree in education and I could go mm -hmm. off and teach is because I think that this society, and I wouldn't even say it's just the United States, it's really just a society at large, puts too much emphasis on the you know the reward and punishment piece of education yes. and and doesn't allow people to really drink in the power and the and and the satisfaction of knowing things of, yeah. of learning of delving and mm -hmm. so I think it's interesting that you had a similar experience where you're like oh yeah I got my master's you know I'm going to do all the things and then you're like this doesn't fulfill me because it, it's almost like the passion of education has been stripped away. And I know that now, you know, being a mom and having little kids that are in, you know, in homeschooling and, and kind of really unschooling, yeah. I see their wonder and their, the way they value education in such a different way. So mm -hmm. I know that's not really what we're talking about, but I had to, I had to pinpoint yeah. that one thing. That's so um, weird. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then as far as the, you know, the hypnotherapy piece, like I, I you know, obviously I'm a master neuroenergetics practitioner. So hypnotherapy is one of the things I do as well. And 
I, I think it's so important that people understand you said it, but I don't know if they really grasped it is that hypnosis is all help. Hypnosis is self hypnosis. So nobody can like hypnotize somebody else to do something they don't want to do. They're actually hypnotizing themselves, which is why guided meditations are so powerful because you as the person are literally taking that into yourself. And so the fact that you were able to use those techniques to create, you know, such massive abundance for yourself, be it, you know, in, in goal setting and in, you know, monetary ways is, is phenomenal. And, and the fact that you could then circle back and take that education piece and bring it around to the practicality of it. I mean, it's like, there's no other word for it than genius, you know? So that's really, really amazing. Thank you. So what would you say that, Tell me a little bit about your mindset going into becoming this coach, having this new business, and then the mindset that you had that evolved as you went on. Like what changed for you? What do you feel like were the big ahas? Yes. So one of the things that I work primarily with my clients on, whether it's an whether someone who's who has a business, an entrepreneur, or a leader, is going to be their self-worth. And for me, it was really my self-worth. Right. So um, the the biggest thing that I think with the mindset that I realized was like there there were so many beliefs and stories because that's the work that we do as hip- hypnotists. It's right. We look at the root level, which is the beliefs. It's the subconscious beliefs that we have been raised with. Um, and for me, when I looked at it, a lot of my core beliefs that I had learned primarily from ages zero to 14 was related to low self-worth. Right. So it was a lots of low self-worth. I'm not good enough. Um, and a lot of it had to do with feeling like I had to overwork. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. You probably can relate to this, especially being from Boston. Right. Um, is putting so much of our worth and value into work and productivity and doing. Right. So for me, the biggest shift has been creating spaciousness in my calendar, in my thoughts, in my feelings so that I can be more versus do, because I'm a doer, I can get things done, right? I, I'm a high achiever, and I have very ambitious, audacious goals, and I know I'm going to get there. But what was really missing, and I think it's really missing from the way we grow up, and also from our education as well, because our education teaches us to be doers, right? And to put all this value into productivity, is for me to shift that completely and realize like, oh, the fact that I'm taking care of myself and my well-being first, that's the right path for me. It's not about being more productive and feeling valued that way. So for me, it's the shift in doing to being, which has really, really significantly changed so many things like my relationships around me, the way that I look at myself, the way I view myself as an entrepreneur, as a coach. Um, and you know, once I start to dig into some of the self-worth piece, especially in the beginning when I started this work, is when I first started, I didn't even know that what I'm doing right now was a possibility, right? So that was the first thing was that I didn't even have examples around me until I discovered the online world and was like, what? You can do this online, right? And so that was really cool, like the exposure piece. And then the other piece really was for me is is really expanding my own self-worth so that I can actually see myself in an identity as someone who no longer is reliant on something external to bring me abundance and money. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, you know, the shift between the doing 
and the being is so powerful, right? Like we live in such a botting me society where we're meant to feel like, you know, if it's going to happen, I have to do it. And especially as women, I think, you know, we have this nurturing piece and men have it too. Like I'm, I'm certainly not over here being a feminist and being like, can men suck, you know, but as women, we have this, this mantle of responsibility that like everything has to flow through yes. me or happen, you know, from me. And, and it's in moving into that understanding that we're actually, it's through me, right? Like it's through me, the consciousness is moving through me and I am connected in like a delicate balance with source, God, higher power, the universe that shift is just so powerful because it's like all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not alone. Like there's something that's energetically handling that side. And I think, I think I notice, especially with my clients, I notice the difference between what, that moment when they feel like it's all on their shoulders and that moment when they just kind of surrender and realize that there's, you know, a team of angels, a team of guardians, whatever you want to call it, that are just swooping in to energetically balance that other piece, you know? So, so I can totally relate to what you're saying. You go from this, like, you know, high achieving, have to get straight A's to like, wait a second. So you're saying that I'm building my business by going to the spa. Like, yeah, you are, you know, it's just, it's, it's a really profound shift, I think for sure. Absolutely. So tell me what were some of the like deal breakers when it came to having your own business? What were things that you were like, when I do this, this is never happening. Like what are, and what are some things that you were like, this absolutely has to be present. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, one of the, one of the things that really, really a lot, like was a big factor in why I wanted to even have my own business was so that I can have freedom in my schedule and, and what I say yes to when I say no to, right. Because for me, my, one of my biggest values, my biggest value is freedom. So that's freedom in the way that I think my emotions and also my schedule. And so for me, that was like the biggest thing. And so I told myself when I have my business, I'm not starting any calls before 10 a.m. Like I'm not going to be available before 10 a.m. So now I've been able to kind of create a structure in that way where I don't have to get on calls and wake up extra early and jump into work, right? I have my whole entire morning for me. It's my me time so that I can get in alignment energetically, emotionally, mentally, so that I can have my cup full and serve from that place, right? Because you don't want to serve and work with your clients from an empty place, an empty cup. So that was one of the biggest things is the freedom in my schedule. And again, back to the spaciousness, because one of the things I realized, I think, especially as a woman, and I think women as a woman color specifically, and I know I have a lot of clients who are also women of color, right? So this is a conversation we have a lot is that we are often conditioned and taught that we have to put everything on us. Like you were saying, like, you know, everything is all on us and we're responsible to carry everybody forward, right? Like we're the ones who are leading and we're responsible. And for me, that thing around responsibility was really heavy for me because that's what I learned in my upbringing, especially with like having the Nepali culture influence, right? was like having this responsibility for my entire family. And so for me, it was really allowing myself to have spaciousness in my calendar so that I can realize and have a lot of these downloads and realizations that I didn't have when I was so busy, right? So busy and doing, because when you're busy and doing all the time, you're not allowing yourself to like create space to have those realizations, to have those downloads, to have those reflections, 
right? So those things have been very key for me in my business. And it's, it's actually a, a very effective strategy, a business strategy, in my opinion, because when I have spaciousness to reflect, to, to really make sure that I'm in a good place, then I like, there's always something beautiful and magnetizing that happens after that. So I would say like, I know that, I don't know if you were expecting that question or that answer, but I would say it's really finding that spaciousness in my calendar and, and, um, understanding that like you're in control over your schedule, right? Like there is no one who's telling you you have to do it a very specific way that you have to have a schedule a specific way. Although I think a lot of coaches will, will say those things, right? A lot of coaches will say you have to do business a very specific way. And one of the things I've discovered is like, no, I don't have to do business specific way. I do business based off what feels most expansive for me because when I'm expanded, then my clients and the people around me are also expanded as well. So well said and so true, right? Like, I mean, absolutely. What, what people don't realize, I think a lot of times is that what we are actually, people think that when you hire a coach, you're hiring a coach in order to educate you on some topic that you don't realize. But the truth is there's, there's this trifecta of coaching that I figured out. Number one, perspective. They can see the back of your head. You can't, right? So it's like, it's all about like, you know, bringing a situation and saying, Hey, do you think I should handle that differently? No, I think you handled it great. Or, Oh, you know, I, I think maybe there might've been a different way to do that. Right. So perspective, mm -hmm. the second thing is accountability, making sure that you're doing what you agreed that you said you wanted to do for yourself. That's a huge piece of coaching. And then there's like this tiny little sliver of education, you know? So I think that what it comes down to is when we hire a coach, when we decide who we want to work with, we're looking for someone who is modeling the energetic boundaries and balance that we want to have. So, you know, people always say people don't buy what you do. Simon Sinek says they buy why you do it, but I believe people buy how you feel. So yeah. I think that when you can step into yourself and show, yeah, I don't take calls before 10. Yeah. I don't answer my DMS on the weekends. Yeah. I don't, those people look at that and they may at first be kind of miffed and be like, Oh, you know, there's nothing on our calendar that early. Like I'm, you know, I, I feel, but then they kind of respect that even more because they're like, wow, look at the boundaries she's been able to build for herself. I bet you can help me do that too. And, and because you are that three, five, you've got that built in projection there anyway. So it's really important that you set the tone for who you are, because if you don't, those clients are going to come in and fill those blanks for you. Yes. And they're going to come in and say, well, Ashrita is this and this and this, because you haven't held the bat, you know, the skeleton of what you truly are. So, so that in of itself is so meaningful and helpful to you as a coach, because people go, oh, this is who she is because they've got that evidence with the absence of that evidence. Now they're projecting what they think you are, who they think you yeah. are. But when you're putting that boundary down and saying, no, 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 here it is in black and white. And you're really just laying out those, those, you know, those terms, there's not really room for that gray area, which I think is very powerful and, and is going to really serve you in the long run in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I hundred percent agree with you around the piece of we hire coaches based off their like energy and who we want to yeah. like, who we are we aspire to be as well. Right. So when I think back to the coaches that I've hired, not, I've never actually had one coach that had everything I wanted, but I've had what I call fragmented expanders, right? Cause the thing is we want to have expanders in our life. So 
people that are mentors that can model to us what certain areas of our life should look like and feel like, because the truth is most of us don't have those role models. We don't have that exposure, right? So for me, if it wasn't for the online space, I probably would have been in the same place that I was like two, three years ago, right? If I didn't, if we didn't have the power of technology and to be able to connect with other people who are thinking like you and who you aspire to be. And so when I look around my my community now and in my circle, I don't see that, right? I don't have people that I'm like, oh, I would love to be like this person because I've also progressed in my thinking and the way that I operate. So mm-hmm. I think it's so important, back to what you were saying, to have examples and to have expanders who can show you what's possible for you Um, because that's such a big piece of I know you talk a little bit about this of manifesting and for us to because we have to see that it's possible for us and it's also even more powerful when I think when I go into spaces especially with like women of color and they see me right because I think the reality is there isn't a lot of women of color who are like in this coaching space that are really just showing up and being authentic. There's definitely more and more now, which I'm so grateful for, right? But the less of those examples that there are, the less it's like available for that person. So I agree with you with the energetic piece. That's like such a big part of this. And I think the same goes for Semitic women too, right? Like there's not a lot of Jewish life coaches out there either. I mean, there's some, but not quite as many. And I think that a lot of times, you know, kind of being in that, in that gray area between we're not really white, but we're not women of color. We're kind of like in the middle there where we've got that like gray area. I think it's really important to represent us as well because you know, there's this idea that, oh, well, if you're a religious person, then you're completely closed off to metaphysics. And I personally, I straddle that line, you know, like I've got that religious background, you know, the, the, you know, the minhag, the tradition, as we say, you know, but at the same time, I'm very much rooted in the metaphysics and very much rooted in, in, in the, you know, the new age experiences, understanding that the, that consciousness doesn't see those labels. Consciousness sees us as, as souls, you know, and so I, I'm very careful not to, I, I, I don't necessarily go out there and say, you know, a, a woman of, of, you know, Jewish background or whatever, because to me, it's like, well, maybe in this life I am, maybe in the next life, I'm going to be black. Maybe in the next life, I'm going to be a man. Maybe I'm going to be a turtle. I really don't know. And I, and I don't profess to have that knowledge. So I'm very careful not to put myself in that container. But you make a good point that, you know, we do need to be very mindful of the populations that we are representing so people feel like they can do it, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with you, I think, from the spiritual level in regards to like not really identifying yourself as a specific color, because you're right, we're, we're at the end of the day, we're like, we're souls, right? And we're, we're all kind of dealing with the same things or feeling similar things, even though our society says we're so different, right? Um, but I think because we live in the, the 3D world, right? And in order for us to connect with our clients, those labels are helpful um, because like when, like, if I go back to thinking back to who I was several years ago, right. The reason I became interested in coaching was because I saw someone who was an Asian woman doing it. And that's what, that's what, um, caught my attention. Mm-hmm. But the reality was there was plenty of people doing it around me, but I couldn't see that because the person that really caught my attention was someone who had similar upbringing as I did and like a similar background. So for me, that's what caught my attention. So I think in the 3D world, 
like we kind of do need to put that put the labels in but i agree with you i'm not like the biggest fan of it yeah for sure yeah and then, then your reticular activating systems like oh you want to see people of different cultures that are life coaches well here you go here's one here's yeah. one here's one here's one and then all of a sudden they start populating your field so yeah i definitely yeah. think that that's a good thing so oh my gosh this conversation has been so juicy can you tell us ashrita how can people find you on social Yes. So um, people can find me on social, on Instagram. So it's Ashrita underscore coach. Yay. Awesome. Amy Lee has it on the screen. Thank you for that. Um, you can also find me on, on Facebook, Ashrita Tawari. And in the show notes, Amy also is going to add um, a freebie that I've created, which is a expander self-worth hypnosis that definitely to test out and check out if you're someone who's really struggling with like low self-worth and trust and confidence this is definitely a great hypnosis to support you with that yay oh my gosh such a good conversation thank you so much for being here i appreciate you so much and guys definitely get a hold of her she's an inspiration and she's amazing i see her online all the time she's always got great things to say so follow her check her out thank you so much ashrita for being here thank you amy and you're such a wonderful host and i love love your podcast so far it's been really great um and so thank you for having me today absolutely my pleasure and that'll do it for this episode of the dream design podcast until next time may you be happy may you be healthy may you be safe and may you be at peace namaste Thank <music> you.